Welcome to Old Movies for Young Stoners, the podcast where cannabis, weed, reefer, Mary Jane, or whatever your generation calls it, is a gateway drug to classic cinema. In each episode, we discuss a selection of films from the past, and our weed experts suggest what strain of green bud goes best with them. This week, we go back to the beginning of cinema itself. For a pair of trippy as fuck shorts by Georges Méliès, the man who invented special effects, followed by a lively discussion of the equally hallucinatory Technicolor madness of the Red Shoes from Pal and Pressburger in 1948. Plus, we have our first ever guest host. That's all right here on Old Movies for Young Stoners. And we are back on Old Movies for Young Stoners, available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We just launched our YouTube channel, so so subscribe there. You know, Wait, we're on Spotify. Boo. Boo. We are. <laughs> but, but how can we how can we like <laughs> how, how how can we like pull our programming from Spotify later in protest That's true. if we aren't there in the first place? Okay, good, you good, have point, a point. good point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm your master of ceremonies, Bob Calhoun, author of The Murders That Made Us, a true crime history of San Francisco. Ask for it at your local independent bookstore. Joining me are Greg Franklin, the creative director of Six Point Harness Studios and the animation director of Tig Nataro Drawn, now streaming on HBO Max. Hey, everybody. And we have Corey Sklar, our resident bud tender, and your guide on the Hollywood punk rock graveyard tour. Hey, everybody. Uh, I just added Squiggy of Lenny and the Squigtones to the tour. So come on and take that graveyard tour. Oh, oh awesome. man. That's that one kind of hurts, though. Mm-hmm. You can find out how to book your Hollywood punk rock graveyard tour by going to punk rock graveyard tour on Instagram. As I said at the top of the show, we have our first ever guest host in old movies for young stoners history. She is an actor and voice talent with several film and television credits to her name, including the animated series Lizzie, the NBC medical drama The Night Shift, and she'll be appearing in Chippendale Rescue Rangers, coming soon to Disney+. Plus. You can even see her at the 51 second mark of its YouTube trailer. She is Felina Franklin. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yay. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But you've got like a, a little bit of a history with the podcast and, and you've got an origin story, if you will. Uh, tell us. Yeah. Tell us what draws you to us. What draws well, you to this? Well, I, I would consider myself a young stoner. I am 21 and, you know, just I'm freshly able to smoke weed. I mean, I have been for a while, but don't tell anyone. Um, and don't tell your dad. Don't tell my dad. <laughs> he was smoking with me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. The statute I, of limitations has now run out, so we're we're safe to. Yeah, say we're that. fine. It's fine now. But yeah, I I am a young stoner, and I feel like this is. I love old movies. It's kind of perfect. It's a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. And also Greg Franklin is my dad. That's right. <laughs> I, believe, I believe on, on episode one, I uh, told the story about how you were inspired in high school to watch every film on the AFI top 100. Oh yes. And you gave a scathing review of bringing up baby. I just don't. Yeah. It just wasn't. It, it, it reminds me a lot of like the money pit or like, Christmas vacation, not, uh-huh. and they, the comedy of frustration. Yeah, it makes me too frustrated. <laughs> Get too frustrated. <laughs> no, when Greg told me that, like a while ago now, uh, I was like, you know, she should really be, she should, she should be a media critic. She should be a film critic. But there's just like the newspaper industries, but in the media industries, so cannibalized itself at this mm-hmm. point that I can't mm-hmm. recommend it as a career. So I'm happy this <laughs> podcast with its hundred plays on SoundCloud can can get you there. For, oh, uh, perfect. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, exactly. 
Hey guys, I've I've been uh, going to Noir City every night. Noir City is back, and it's in Oakland now. What's it? What okay. what is Noir City for those people? Oh like, yeah, in Australia. Okay. They don't know what that is. I also <laughs> yeah, in Sweden. Know. We're big in Sweden now, guys. Nice. Oh, uh, cool. uh, oh. number seventy two in Sweden on Apple oh. Podcasts. Film. Thanks for listening, Swedes. Thank you. I mean, you're <laughs> you're right on the border of Russia. Worried about getting invaded. Uh, thank you for taking the time to listen to this this <laughs> podcast <laughs> with all that's going on in the world. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is uh, um, it is the Film Noir Festival, and and it's uh, hosted by Eddie Muller, who hosts uh, Noir Alley on TCM when it's not the Thirty One Days of Oscar. Boo. And boo. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so. Uh, the funny thing about Noir City, it's been going on in San Francisco for a while. He does tour it around. He does. He just did one in, uh, I believe, Seattle. There's going to be Noir City Hollywood, and he's done it in Chicago and everything. So he tours these movies around. This year's theme is We Tried to Warn You. So it's all movies about, it's like, um, you know, last night was Crossfire. The movie about anti-Semitism with uh, the three Bobs, Robert Ryan, Robert Young, and uh, Robert Mitchum. And uh, so, you know, anti-Semitism was the theme last night and racism. And uh, tonight it is more racism with uh, with uh, No Way Out with Richard Widmark and Sidney Poitier. And there's also a movie tonight, The Sniper, which is kind of a proto-Zodiac sort of serial killer movie set in San Francisco, uh, black and white noir from, I think, 1951. So um, a lot of people are dressed to the nines at this thing. I have not Mm -hmm. been yet. A lot of people in retro suits and hats and, you know, uh, the ladies all dolled up and looking perfect. What do you wear, Um, Bob? Tonight, (laughs) I'm going to be wearing my linen suit. I will be putting on a suit and tie tonight. Damn, (laughs) kid. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it was at the Castro forever, but since the Castro is now being uh, cannibalized into a music venue, which a lot of people are really bummed out about, it has moved to the Grand Lake in Oakland, which is still this grand old theater. It looks right at the Grand Lake because it's got the stage. Uh, But Mm -hmm. that is kind of the bummer about it a little is like, I'm like, well, if the Castro is out as a venue, which it could still happen there theoretically, because they are still hosting some some of the bigger film festivals, but um, it really is the Grand Lake because I, I don't think you could do Noir City the way it should be done. Nothing, no offense to other theaters like Roxy and Balboa. You know, we'll take it if we have to, but it's just mm-hmm. not doesn't have that big '30s movie palace stage the way the Grand Lake or the Castro do. You could always go to the Tan Foran Discount uh, uh, Center. They're and, tearing uh, down Tan Foran, man, and no. making it into make, making it into um, uh, apartments like mixed use, and I'm like. Like, I don't know. I, I don't really want to live in mixed-use apartments on the grounds of what used to be a, an internment camp. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> tried to warn you. Yeah, we, we tried to warn <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just like, I don't know. I think there's, I mean, it's it's one thing to go to Target there but or go to see, go to mm. see Iron Man 2 at the theater there. but it's, For a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. No one, there's already like, there are people I usually see at San Francisco Noir City that just aren't there. And the, the show was kind of packed last night. Oh, and Dana Delaney showed up. Oh, oh awesome. from, uh, from uh, what was that show called? China, the, Beach. China, Beach. China Beach. Yeah. And Tombstone. That's awesome. I love the Grand Lake Theater. It has so much soul there. And also, it's the place where Bob Calhoun and I saw cats. <gasps> <That's-> Aww. <laughs> And we got bombed on Fireball. We were so Fireball. wasted. <laughs> yeah, at Smitty's beforehand. Because there was a point where we were sitting at Smitty's. I'm like, I ordered a round of shots of Fireball because I'm like, we're seeing cats. This is the only time I think it's appropriate to drink this shit. I agree. And mm. also, um, we didn't. We went to Smitty's because the alley was closed next door. And everyone listening, if you ever go to Oakland, you got to see a movie at the Grand Lake and you got to go across the street to the alley to get a, a drink and a steak and sing at the piano. It mm-hmm. is a great place. Nice. I was so happy it's still there. I mean, it's considering all the places that haven't survived the pandemic or haven't survived just private equity in the Bay Area. 
that the alley opened its doors last night and we were like the first people in there the steak was smothered with garlic and butter and parsley and it was like perfect and there's a joint next door for the private equity crowd that would charge you like way more for that steak and i don't think it was as good you know, I'm not going to find out because it's even too pricey for me, that place. But <laughs> and the right. drinks were strong. I me and my friend Vernon, who went last night, Rosie's going with me tonight. But uh, we were like fucked up for Crossfire. We were totally nice. tore up for that movie. Very noir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Is it's the it's... Grand Lake, the theater that would put all the anti-Trump stuff on the, on yeah. the marquee. Yes. Yeah, their owner is super lefty, lefty, lefty guy. I, well, I used that's, to... that, that gets my vote. <laughs> yeah, cool. used... he, you know, it's a great place. He hires a lot of queer kids. It's a good establishment to support. And they have the the guy playing the Wurlitzer, um, like on Fridays mm. and Saturday nights. It's not just for Noir City. And I like to go there, like to see like Blade Two. I would go. Let's go to the Grand Lake to mm. see Blade Two on a Saturday night because the anachronism of the guy warming up the crowd right. with the big organ, just like I liked that that anachronism. I like that out of time thing at Noir Alley. It seems appropriate. It seems all sure. lined up. But when you you're seeing barbershop there, or you know, yeah, right. Friday nine seven six evil, <laughs> you know, or just tales the crap, from the hood crap that I would go see there. You know, it's it's yeah, it's just regular shit that's at the movies that week. I have to say, you know, Oakland movie audiences are way more polite than Los Angeles movie audiences. And I don't know if you saw this clip this weekend, everybody, but oh my um, God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the a at the Burbank AMC, which there's like Bob, it's so confusing. There's like four theaters on a block radius and they're all AMCs. You don't know where which one the movie's playing at in Burbank. But anyway, um the 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 a screening of the Lost City, the new Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum movie, um, the projector broke and a woman decided to stand up and do her uh stand-up comedy act uh in front of the audience on un request. She just did it on her own. Unsolicited. To, unsolicited to <laughs> uh to entertain the people while while the projector was being fixed. And that is something that could only happen in Los Angeles. An Oakland audience would never do such a thing. Oh, no. I mean, I mean, Corey, you're kind of burying the lead. It was the worst stand up that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it was in so my bad. Life, and that's saying something. <laughs> and it was a little racist. And it was, yeah, it was everything yeah. you don't want while you're waiting for a movie to be oh, put yikes. back on the screen. Uh -huh. I'm going to take you to a movie there next time you're in town, Bob. Yeah, I got to get down there. It's been been way too long. I mean, of course, like we've all just been in our house forever. This is the most most nights I've done things in a row after I saw Chalky the Funk Wizard at uh, mm -hmm. the bottom of the hill and there was a COVID outbreak. So it was like that put me in the house again for a couple of months. Um, the great Chalky the Funk Wizard, the the uh, you, recorder yes. of our theme song. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the new Beverly is just great, though, and I think you'll love it, Bob. I can't wait. Oh, to I've been there. I've been there a few times. You've seen it since the since the the the, the remodel and everything. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I've seen it since the in the Tarantino era. I would cool. when I'm down there, I try to take in movies there, even at, when I hate Tarantino the most. I still well, like. Well, well they upgraded the, the <laughs> upgraded the snack bar, so I'm excited to take you. Oh, uh, is Norm still open around there? I, I usually go there. And then go to norms for like a you know well norms has expanded there's like a zillion norms now it's oh, um i no, don't know if the, that means the quality will uh will dip there but, there's uh, not really any quality at norms no it's, it's just it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's good because it's there the last time i went to the new beverly they had veggie dogs yeah, they have veggie dogs. Also, okay. Pink's has Beyond sausages now. Just give them you go. Yeah, they just added them. So just so, so you guys know. Oh my god! Nice. Good to oh. know. I'm so excited. We have so many listeners, especially you Swedes and you uh, Australians. <laughs> I want to hear from you. Please write in, um, Felina. Can you tell them where they could uh, contact us? Yes, uh, we at Old Movies for Young Stoners really want to hear from you. Uh, you can email us at oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail.com. That's oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail. All one word, no numbers in there. And you can join our four followers on Instagram at oldmoviesforyoungstoners. People have always hungered for the marvelous, the wonderful, the amazing. 
Before the invention of movies, it was the magician who catered to this universal desire. So it was no accident that the filmmaker known as the father of movie special effects was a French magician, Georges Méliès. Méliès is most famous for his surrealistic film, A Trip to the Moon. Completed in 1902, it was the first science fiction movie ever made. Méliès, seen here as the first man on the moon, combined elaborate theatrical effects with animation and special optical tricks. He produced some 4,000 films in all, and in the process, discovered many techniques that are still in use today. And we are going back to the beginnings of movies themselves to start things off on Old Movies for Young Stoners with a pair of shorts from French magician turned special effects wizard Georges Méliès, which are now more widely available on HBO Max as part of their collection of his amazing films. First, we have impish devils stuffing random passersby into the Infernal Cauldron from way back in 1903. And since that movie is only a minute long, we'll also discuss the old hag from 1906, where a broke-ass musician stiffs a witch by trying to pay her off with a bag of sand, only to find himself quickly plagued by a dragon, slithering snake men, a giant owl, and a monstrous toad. You can be late on the rent or even skate on the water bill for a while, but you should always pay your witch. Now, you know, watching these movies and you're watching them streaming with this modern technology, but it's like they are over 100 years old. We will probably, even I will probably live to see these movies turn 150. It's kind of amazing what uh, Melies was able to do. I mean, he directed the first science fiction film with A Trip to the Moon. He created special effects. He saw the potential for films for magic because he was a magician in it. You know, so how, what did you think of these films? What did you think of the Melies films? I didn't know he made so many. That's what blew me away about this. And I can't wait to dive in and jump, just jump in head first because I ain't never watched any of this stuff. My only reference point for this is the Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight video, which is a, <laughs> which is pretty, a takeoff. Pretty piss poor uh, reference. <laughs> I know. A reference for that. But, but um, <laughs> boy, oh boy, is it a treat for the eyes and the senses and really, uh, really blows me away at what he was able to produce when this medium was so um, young. Pretty amazing. Was he on was he a stage like director first? Is that where he got these tricks and stuff or Bob, what do you know about him? Well, no, he he had um, I wish I had written it down. He owned a theater like a magic theater magic is really really popular in the late 19th century into the 20th century the early 20th century so he was like a top magician in i think it was the theater houdan which is like where houdini got his name that's uh, melies mm -hmm. owned that he was he came from money his uh family owned like a sh they were shoemakers they owned a shoe factory and he was a guy who was just really really bored with that life and he was obsessed with magic and he became a top flight magician and then when films started when movies were you know he got a film camera because he he was a good technician he he was the guy at his dad's uh shoe factory who who understood the machinery so he was messing around with film and he saw film as a potential medium to augment his magic shows kind of the way they use digital projection today in all kinds of stage productions that's what he saw it as and he was filming street scenes in paris and his camera jammed up so the film stopped and then he started it up again and when he played it back um a trolley car turned into a hearse because the film stopped, he started filming again. So he was filming a trolley car and then he was filming a hearse and he realized uh, trick photography. Like, Oh, I can, mm -hmm. I can just stop the film and put, you know, I could have a beautiful woman there and stop the film and then a puff of smoke. And then there's like some weird demon creature. And he got <laughs> the ideas for, for these movies. So, and it was really just a four wallet in his own theater at first. So, and he had a studio, he had the first movie studio, which was like a green, looked like a greenhouse because it was all about letting sunlight in. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, that's, he was, he was a stage performer first. That's where he came from. And I will say just as amazing as these films are and, and uh, as fun as they are and, and full of gags and, and sight tricks and stuff, they are very European. 
Okay, so for an American stoner like me, that's kind of a difficult uh, curve to get over. So I'm just getting yeah. you guys know there. It's so European. So just just know that before you get too high, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I think getting a little too high is perfect for this. Uh, personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I loved I loved both. I've never I've seen um, uh, what is it? Trip to the moon. Um, I've seen that before, but I'd never seen the old hag specifically. Ugh, mwah, gorgeous. <laughs> it was so fun. <laughs> um, I think my favorite, my favorite part was um, those little uh, non-binary imp guys who just <laughs> their faces were so cool. Like yeah. they were so fun. Oh my god, the the old hag was super super fun to watch. And then uh, the infernal cauldron was just a TikTok, basically. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'll tell you that movie, the infernal cauldron, really starts to cook once the souls come up from the cauldron. Yes. It's so cool. And I'm, I don't. How did he do that? It he had to, he had to mess with the actual film and the exposure and stuff, right? That's uh -huh. so crazy. Yeah. I was on the old hags. I was on the witch's side in this movie. Okay. I don't think the witch should have got killed. That's my that's what I think about this thing. And so it was it's kind of a morally uh, abstract, this movie. That's what I'll say. I fully agree. I was. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. I was yelling at the TV. Very anti yellow outfit guy. Mm -hmm. um. <laughs> I know it was deeply problematic. What was happening <laughs> to the old wit, the old hag herself. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's one of those things. Uh, I, you know, Felina and I watched these together, high off our ass. And one of my favorite quotes from her during this was like, "I don't know what's going on, but I love it." <laughs> and and then I think when you knew what was going on, yeah, you didn't love it <laughs> as much yes. once you figured out that this was it. it it was like the old hag versus the patriarchy. Yeah. It totally is because those like gods gang up, right? You know, like the Zeus type figure shows up to to get help yeah. this, help this this cheapskate musician out. This guy was this uh, ne'er do well musician who stiffed the hag. Talk yeah. about yeah. a Deus Ex Machina, right? And it's like that's lazy writing. <laughs> that's what I'll say. Uh, oh, absolutely. And and uh, you know, I couldn't tell what deities were were going on there, but it looked like god was standing on the mountaintop and then then there was one that came out of the coffin that presented a sword and i thought that was the devil so because he came out of the ground and was kind of red and it's almost like the god god and the devil are teaming up against the witch which i found really interesting an interesting story to tell at this time <laughs> in the history it's it's kind of like the hateful eight where all the dudes, uh, you know, team up. <laughs> and then Channing Tatum's like the deus ex machina that just comes in and fixes everything at the end. Justice for the old hag. <laughs> justice for the old hag. Justice, old for hag. The old hag. justice for the old hag. Free the hag. Free the hag. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it does look amazing. And Melies has, he's like almost a proto animator in a way because a lot mm -hmm. of the special effects are just kind of painted backgrounds they're like painted pieces of wood and it is his when you look at his sketches that's what they look like it, it has his his style in everything i, I mean watched, the artistry oh, the artistry is just out of fucking control i mean it's just so beautiful and you know you've got basically one shot you know one shot where all the stuff is very proscenium framing staging but it would probably only work from that very fixed angle. I think if you move the camera left or right, it might destroy the whole amazing illusion when you kind of consider that these amazing walls of bricks and towers and stuff that are all around are all painted plywood. It is just stunning to think of life-size paintings that were in, involved in those sets. My dad was telling what... <laughs> He was telling me this when we were watching it. Um, he was like, that's that's all paintings. And I was so high. I was like, oh, my God, it's painting. He's climbing a painting. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where that's it's amazing how 
that's what gives you the magical feeling when you watch these shorts is the sets that are hand painted and mm -hmm. the attention to detail. And it's just just one set like just takes you to this magical world. There's one point in the old hag where um, the guy saving the damsel in distress takes a little hammer and he hits through a door and mm -hmm. it, it breaks away in like this beautiful, perfect cartoonish way. And that was very impressive. Yeah, he so did not deserve her. No, she well, was I mean, way too pretty for him anyway. <laughs> I don't know, man. Some of the actors in this in these in these shorts are pretty rough looking. That's what I'll say. I don't know. Fra That's hard to tell with those wigs, you know, like these crazy. They they didn't, you know, as as amazing as the sets are, the makeup is maybe not as uh, as as interesting. Oh yeah. The cauldron. Let's talk about the cauldron for a second. So this was okay. a very short one. And this dude is just throwing ladies in a, in a, he's just boiling them to death, right? That's what this one whole thing was about, right? There's nothing else to get. Okay, cool. Thanks. Well, he gets yeah. his comeuppance. Oh, yeah, there's a comeuppance in the end. What <laughs> were these made, What were these made for? Were these made for just in theaters or, or, or what were they for? He was really just putting them in his theater, which is kind of why stuff got a little weird business-wise you know there's not really much of a film industry yet he's inventing it he's mm -hmm. his his studios like the first studio and he would sell prints to them and eventually his brother took care of a, like u.s distribution for him mm -hmm. um his films were popular enough that like pace would just like make knockoffs that when you see them next to the melies ones they are not as good but they're just total like they're almost like um Turkish Star Wars level ripoff. <laughs> he just really saw it as an extension, I think, of his magic show. And he had a theater and he was going to show them in his theater. And that was going to be a, an attraction to his his movie house, his magic house. I, I noticed some Pepper's ghost effects in these shorts. So I that's, oh, maybe that's how he did those uh, those, those ghosts, flying right? spirit spirits. Polina and I watched a few others. We had we watched the um, the hilarious posters. I watched that one. With, it was good. <laughs> it's also very short, mm -hmm. and it seemed like that was almost a precursor to cartoons. You know, where every title in the bookstore comes to life. It was kind of the same sort of bespoke that genre, and it kind of made me wonder, like, how much did this stuff influence? Chaplin, Keaton, Harold Lloyd, because a lot of that is predating him by like 10 years. How much did this stuff get over here as a, even as a, as a curiosity, that trip to the moon thing must have set the world on fire. It did until they showed that movie of a train coming and everyone ran out of the theater. And that <laughs> one just blew it out of the way. <laughs> He Jesus, was like, he was like, think, like, it's one thing if a train's coming at you. What about a giant bleeding moon face? That <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. You know, horrifying. he's like, he's like, damn, I put all this attention to detail in my movies and I just could have shown a fucking train coming at them. <laughs> well, the train came first, but I think the train is what led Melies to, to start playing with his camera. But I'm walking on the joke with facts. Sorry, Corey. It's okay, but it's like, okay. <laughs> Edit right, the, this out. Edit the, train, this out. the train came first, and then everyone saw that moon. They're like, it's just a movie. It's just a movie. We know it uh. because we saw the train. <laughs> 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 um, sp speaking of this, these movies' influence, if uh, there is a d documentary, which I've watched twice as prep for this to be the know-it-all and the mansplainer, is... Um, there's a documentary on HBO Max hosted by probably not our friend Leonard Malton. He's the narrator <laughs> on Melies. And it, it's really about what happened to Melies because Melies at a certain point, uh, he, and this is in that Scorsese movie, Hugo, where he burns all his negatives. He just like, I, you know, he does this very, very like French, like, ah, it doesn't matter. I'm burning it all. He mm. might have just read Sartre or something. Yeah. And oh. so because they were selling these things in the United States, there were these alternate prints and negatives mm. and the person who owned them for a while before turning them over to the library of Congress, where they were able to, a lot of these movies come from that, where it's just been this lot of detective work to find better prints of these things. And then to use terrible chemical processes to restore them. 
that you can't do in the United States. So they had to go back to France where they're like, we're going to just destroy our environment. We use nuclear power. Um, we don't care. But uh, Leon Schlesinger was the had had oh. a good section of the Melies Library for a while. He really was interesting, cool. Uh, Mary Melodies, the person mm-hmm. behind Warner Brothers cartoons. Uh, we have Bugs Bunny, you know, because of Leon Schlesinger. He was into Melies enough that he had the collection. It was his personal collection for a while. Wow. Yeah, he's the guy who was ur- urban legend has it was had a stutter that was made fun of by the creation of Porky Pig. And he's like, that's funny. <laughs> you know, didn't get that he was the butt of the joke by the, all the animators. So what what weed specifically do you think gets you there for the Melies collection on HBO Max? So this is a real buzzy European feeling thing. This is, I mean, you guys might disagree. And Greg and Flynn, it sounds like you were high off your ass. I, I, I don't recommend getting too high not not i don't recommend getting west coast indica high on this i recommend <laughs> getting early 1900s little buzzy fuzzy like newsies kind of high. <laughs> so i i recommend having a little puff off your glass pipe of lemon ice or something of the sort it's a sativa dominant dominant strain and uh you know it gives you a little focus it gives you a little energy and uh, so i say take a puff of sativa I smoked runs, which is a hybrid. It's 18% THC. Delicious. So good. Um, I, I felt really, honestly, I got super high, but I felt so good the entire time. And I was just kind of, while I was watching it, just letting my brain melt and um, kind of enjoying the history and just kind of, <laughs> while I was watching it, I was like, this is so old. <laughs> so, it was great. I, I had the perfect, like, I felt like I was in the perfect space. So. And can I you talk about nice run, what is runs? It's a high, it's a hybrid. It's um, um, very sweet. I, I had a joint delicious. <laughs> it's mm. very uplifting. I think it was, it's, it's uplifting, but my brain was still melted. I discovered these things when they, you know, not long after they first were put on HBO Max. And I had to remember what I was smoking back then because there was a night when I got really stoned and the algorithm of HBO Max was like pushing the infertile cauldron at me. It was like, this is like, (laughs) based on the other crap you're watching, this is what you should watch. And I'm like, what the fuck is the infertile cauldron? I was at that right point of high. And I think back then, and I still have some, it's, it's here, like there's shake. Uh, was Mendo Breath, which is an indica strain made by crossing Mendo Montage with OG Kush Breath, and it's 19% THC. But the um, organization of these shorts on HBO Max isn't really the best. Sorry, HBO Max. Thanks for putting them there. But it was just one of those things where I watched the Infernal Cauldron. It's over in a minute. And then I'm like, what the hell is the old hag? Cause it was like, you know, watch, you know, there's the chain of, you know, you should also watch these mm-hmm. or, and right. then I watched, um, you know, four heads are better than one, which is the one where Melies himself is cutting off his heads and then his heads are on the tables and they're talking to him and, <laughs> yes. and, uh, and, uh, whimsical illusions and, and, you know, eventually getting through the witch and trip to the moon, and just really high just going through them in that kind of obsessive stoner way of clicking on each next one going you right. know is there are there any more of these i should be i'm in the zone for these things <laughs> so i recreated that and smoked some some mendo breath which you know greg often has mendo breath well and, yes yes <laughs> named after <laughs> named after the franklin family really uh, <laughs> um it's just that yeah. right level of stone to go through all these shorts and some of them like felina said melies was the he made the first science fiction movie he created special effects and he made the first tiktoks you know and and I, I, for just for my own like i would i would love to be super 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 high to watch all of these um but i feel like i can't quite recommend that <laughs> for navigating hbo max and finding these things you need to stay a little sober for that and 
fight, you know, actually looking it up was kind of a chore. So finding these things on there. So I, uh, I was pretty high, but uh, Felina was, was there too and got to appreciate the fruits of my labor in unearthing, excavating. And it's like probably easier to find the Beatles butcher cover at Amoeba than to find the Melier shorts on HBO Max. But, uh, but I did my best. I did my best. And they I was smoking did, lemon margie. They did have them as a collection for a little while, which is where mm-hmm. I got the idea for this episode is like, oh, you know, because I went to the TCM hub on HBO Max, which if you go all the way to the bottom of HBO Max, you'll see the hubs and there's DC Comics and Merry Melodies mm-hmm. or Looney Tunes yeah. and, and HBO, sure. which is where the Sopranos live. And uh, there's the TCM hub and it's like popular now on TCM hub. And at the bottom, and there were so many old movies for young stoners there. That's what's there. And it was like 2001, of course, Seventh uh-huh. Seal, The Time Machine, George Powell's The Time Machine, the Melies collection, and our next movie too, which we'll get to, Red Shoes was there, Represent. And uh, But now there was a Melies collection for a while, but I cannot for the life of me find it anymore. They're actually redundantly on there, I noticed, because if you look up the old hag, you'll find the old hag. But if you look up the Melies documentary, so many of them are are extras. So like but but kind of branded differently. So if you look at if you go to the Melies documentary and are looking for a bunch of them, they won't have all of them. But um, but there's a, a, a selection of them that are kind of double posted as it were that you can kind of find together but i didn't notice that until later (laughs) they are available on archive.org which Mm. i doesn't have like a roku or apple tv app so the color ones they they are colored i don't know if they're the restored prints though hbo Mm. max probably has the very best prints where what you'll find on you you can find a lot of these on youtube they're very old so they're very public domain but they might be just kind of crap transfers or incomplete and things, but they are on archive.org, which hires librarians. So they're much easier to find there, which HBO max, please hire some librarians. Like they, they, they got a master's degree to learn how to help people find things in a collection and, and, and Netflix, Netflix, you some some fucking librarians too like (laughs) represent librarian brothers and sisters and non-binary librarians just give them a few jobs stop letting marketing handle it marketing the marketing people they they're terrible don't let them do this get some (laughs) like a couple librarians giving people the stink eye to make the make things findable on your sites i'm on my soapbox about this as a former library yeah that was an excellent rant bob okay so I don't think I need to tell. Don't forget you. Hulu. Don't forget Hulu. Oh, Hulu! <laughs> Hulu! Like <laughs> I, dre- every time I click into Hulu, I dread it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh. yeah. You know, I would love to make a movie where the librarian shows up to Hulu to try to fix it. <laughs> just a whole 90 minute comedy of that like just uh-huh. uh, it, it, will hate that movie because it'll I be so frustrating it. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like it'll be like uh Patton when george c scott shows up to north africa <laughs> and all the army guys are just kind of sleeping in, in their bunks and not doing anything and they're all like have their buttons unbuttoned and yeah you know he's dressing them down Get okay so line. Yeah, <laughs> slaps them for for crying. The Infernal Cauldron and the Old Hag can be found with several other Georges Melies shorts, including the very first sci-fi film, A Trip to the Moon, in the TCM hub of HBO Max. And they are also available on archive.org with several other Melies films. The Red Shoes, daring the original musical that captures all the glamour of the south of France in exquisite Technicolor. Blending compelling beauty and high drama with a love story of sheer enchantment. Assembling a cast of international stars to endow an enthralling film with their rich vitality. And making the outstanding debut of this or any other year, a lovely red-headed girl graced with all the talents, Moira Shearer. For a feature film, we have The Red Shoes, a lustrous technicolor delirium from filmmaking duo Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger in 1948. In it, 
Moira Shearer plays aspiring ballerina Victoria Page, who is brought to the brink of madness as she is forced by societal convention to choose between her need for love and her desire for the dance. After one of the most surreal ballet sequences ever committed to film, Victoria finds that separating herself from her art might not be possible. As in the Hans Christian Andersen story that inspired her ballet, once you put on the red shoes, they could only come off in tragedy. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> um, so I have seen the red shoes before, but it is so good. I'm always happy to rewatch it. It is it's one of my favorites for sure. Um, Victoria Page is an icon, and she she's the best. One of my favorite characters. And Moira Shearer is such a good actress. The performance is incredible and the costumes are beautiful. And it's such a wonderful experience just watching this movie. <sighs> it's the best. I, it definitely has the like, like 1940s style acting, which is, you know, its own thing. It's a whole own thing, but it's, it's still so good and so fun. Oh. I just I love it I love this you were doing a pretty you were doing a pretty funny impression of that that one society matron in the beginning there <laughs> ooh. oh the ooh yes <laughs> I love oh I love that voice so much the oh yes hello yeah so good <laughs> um the, cl- the pearl clutching voice <laughs> oh heavens yeah. it, it is the best pearl clutching voice in any movie oh yeah i wish okay. i had that actress's name brought up but yeah she's she's great they were going to make it with an actress but they had when they the the film because of world war ii got delayed it got delayed by global conflict and then when they were making it again they really wanted to find uh ballet dancers ballerinas that could could act that could because they didn't want to do all the cutting the intercutting you have to do to like the doubling that you would have to mm-hmm. do to have some actress who wasn't a dancer play the part but yeah they they wanted to do these kind of tracking shots through the surreal dance sequence that were only possible with people who could actually perform the dances i was just blown away i've never seen this before and um the centerpiece of the movie is the red shoes play it's very meta and it's very uh it's a commentary on you know being an artist and wanting to work and it touches so much of that that it's always so self-indulgent when hollywood makes a movie about oh uh, directors and and we're making a movie and we're in la and it's just i hate that shit but here it works because it it really gets to the heart of needing to create. And once it gets to that amazing, amazing centerpiece of the film, which is the Red Shoes play that I, I mean, I can't even talk. It's hard to just talk about what the artistry that went into filming that sequence. It's not it's not just a straight play, though. It starts to get surreal and at one point, I think it maybe it's it's like a stress dream in a way to her because she's so caught up in in wanting to create and dance right so you don't you don't it kind of blurs the lines of what we're watching is this is this a dream is this a real play i will say though this is going to be controversial it kind of blows its load in that centerpiece because it kind of just kind of you never get to that high again as you do during the center the middle uh, portion of the film with that red shoes performance i agree it, it, that may be the point you're always chasing that dragon like yeah. uh that could be i i remember this film as being a lot more out there from the first time that i'd seen it when i watched it again it was a little more conventional and yet i think the reason for that is number one because that centerpiece is so surreal and spectacular but it there are so many great filmmaking choices there are so many innovative transitions and uh, what I feel I feel this movie plays with the objectivity of seeing a performance in a in a theater and the subjective experience of watching a movie that's what makes it so amazing is that it's 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 kind of getting into her mind and getting into um, a 
a kind of space that doesn't exist, that is surreal, that truly is living in the abstract. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I've never really experienced this, but you kind of get that feeling when you're watching a virtuoso performance and it's just slightly on the edge of being out of control and yet it's all pulled together so brilliantly. That's like a, a this is the cinematic equivalent of that. It's really interesting to think of it because I tried to place it in context with things like Busby Berkeley and, you know, other other kind of musicals that are really beautiful, too. But I think this has like a weird maybe it's a psychological edge that this movie has to it that really make it a cut above. And I mean, this is really one of the most beautiful things ever filmed one of the most beautiful movies ever filmed and the colors are just extraordinary i don't mean to say that the the movie lags after the centerpiece because Mm -hmm. i was never bored during this movie and it's like it's pretty long right it's over two hours yeah A, a lot of today's filmmakers could really take a lesson at the way this movie's paced it's paced so well and yeah i was never bored once and Mm -hmm. what you're saying about it the psychological it's deeper than most 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 movies made today it it hits a piece of uh, the psyche of being creative that and the heart and love and how all that clashes it uh, that most pieces of art just don't do now the movie starts off it's not just dancers too there's a musician julian krasner in this movie right victoria page's partner and the movie starts with him going to see a play and hearing his music being ripped off. So it just, it, it immediately starts with like that, like um, bitter edge that being creative gives you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, 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 it, and that, that kind of really struck me. I, I thought that was really smart to, to write that. This, this movie starts off with a dude being ripped off artistically. And it's so chaotic, of- that beginning too. I love that. I love to see this guy who we don't, we, we just see him as a fan at first. And I love that shot of him jumping over the seats all the way down to the front row like he's the biggest fan your entertainment choices are fairly limited back then i imagine yeah let's talk about the well how well-rounded each character is like not only krasner the composer you have him just this young kid trying to make it as a musician and you feel his passion victoria page just gosh so beautiful such such deep but the the producer guy who's making it all happen very deep care he's like a kind of a sad heartbroken rich guy right <laughs> and then well yeah yeah i i, I really want to talk about anton Walbroka's uh lermontov in this he is the producer of the ballet but he's also kind of like a bond villain of ballet you know <laughs> it's like so, so mr lermontov do you want me to talk no mr <laughs> bond i want you to dance dance <laughs> like you've never danced before <laughs> Exactly. Oh God, so uh, yeah, he's I'm... so good in this, and he's also good in um, what is it, Powell and Pressburger's uh, previous film to this? What is it, The Adventures of Black Colonel Narcissus? Blimp? He is he in Black Narcissus? But no, the I don't know. Colonel but that Blimp was their one. previous. That was their previous film to this. Maybe Colonel Blimp was before yeah. Black Narcissus, but that movie's also on HBO Max and the TCM Hub, mm-hmm. and it it's it's pretty amazing too, and. Uh, yeah, he he is he is great in everything he's in with them, and he's at his best here. I, the first time I saw this was probably in the '90s because Scorsese's really into it, and you know, just whatever mm. Marty said, I would oh, I bet must watch this, and I might yeah. have even watched it on VHS and in, in a way you shouldn't, not the beautiful way it's presented now on HBO Max. But what was striking to me back then, and this is at my most obsessed with John Wayne and John Ford and American masculinity. So here I am watching the red shoes at 22 or whatever. And there's the part where uh, Julian Krasner says like to Anton Walbrook, who is maybe, maybe he's gay. Maybe he's not. It doesn't really go into that, but he's way into ballet, but he says, (laughs) you're jealous of her. You're jealous of Victoria. Walbrook says yes. And it's like, to my stupid mind back then, the idea that a man was jealous of a woman was like revolutionary, not jealous that, that the other guy had the woman, not jealous that the other guy was married to the woman, jealous of that, but mm-hmm. that he was jealous of the woman and her talent 
and her ability. Yes, mm-hmm. because he is definitely has the same sickness that that all artists do, but he is not creative. He's the producer and he his art is in manipulating people into putting on these shows and to being the best they can be. And he does it in a very ridiculous, you know, uh, over the top way where you have to sacrifice your life to be as good as you can be. Um, That's, that's his, that's his passion. That's his sickness. Um, He doesn't know how to, how to have a happy crew, you know, unless they have devoted their lives to him. Talk about is he gay or not? What about that choreographer who I loved and his wife? Gosh, she is amazing. They're they're some of the best characters I've ever seen in a movie. He's so funny. And, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this movie spans a, a period of time. They they work up to the red shoes, the the play, and they they work on it as a company, and it's a huge success. And it, they go forth and 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 produce other shows, and it's nothing ever hits the highs of the red shoes on purpose it's in the script you know but by the end of the movie you really feel like you've been spending time with this production company and you get to know them and you feel like you know the crew and everything and how they work and even though it's a surreal old ass 40s super ass british movie uh the humanity and camaraderie of like working in a company comes through very very significantly in this movie I think that the first um, scene where you're really kind of introduced to the entire, uh, the whole company, I I think it's one of the best, the beginning where everyone's kind of doing their own thing and like, who's in charge around here? Who, what is going on? What is happening? <laughs> Who can I talk to? That um, scene is filled with such energy. It's mm-hmm. so, it just, it's so fun uh, to watch. It's my favorite. And also right before uh right before the red shoe starts and everything is like going wrong Ugh, it's perfect it's so re- it's like that's real that's <laughs> yeah, really what a relatable movie yeah. yeah i do see a lot of influence in today's film or at least people trying to get there uh no most notably recently um the movie annette by sparks and leo's carax steals a whole hell of a lot from this movie and like i'm like why even watch annette when you can just watch the red shoes well, there's the Black Swan, which I don't think exists without mm. the Red Shoes. And I would say both Definitely. versions of Suspiria. Absolutely. The, the Argento and the, the newer modern dancey one that's a little too long. Uh, <laughs> but both versions of Suspiria. And of course, uh, Scorsese, big mm-hmm. uh, pal and Pressburger fanatic. Mean streets. <laughs> well, he no, he he talks about I want there's a lot of documentaries on them on YouTube, and Scorsese talks about showing mean streets to Michael Powell and him thinking there was too much red in it. And and he's like, the whole reason there's red in it is because of you. But then Scorsese does the film <laughs> tech thing, like, oh, it's Eastman. I was using Eastman color instead of free strip technicolor, and that's why the red was different. Uh, but the Scorsese was such a fanatic that his film uh, editor, Thelma Schumacher, was uh, who who edited Goodfellas and a lot of Scorsese movies. She met Michael Powell, and even though she was thirty years younger, she married him, and they were. She says they were the happiest years of her life. So, so there you go. You're, if you're that into movies, you're going to marry Michael Michael Powell, I guess. Powell and Pressburger. There, there's like an, a, a few amazing title cards to this movie. One in which there's this like super muscly guy hitting a gong with a hammer from, from frame one, you know, that's not even part of the movie, but I'm already hooked. And then there's that great production card with the, with the uh, archery. Their the production company was, I believe the archers. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and it's just like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. It's a real shame that, Michael Powell kind of lost his career after making Peeping Tom, which was no, no more outre than Psycho, really. Uh, but they came out the same year. And, and, and because I guess it's, it's the British film, you know, maybe they were more uptight back then, which is ironic for Hitchcock. It's just, it's, it, I would love to have seen what he would have continued to do throughout the 60s, with, especially with his amazing use of color, which is probably unparalleled even to this day yeah we got to talk about peeping tom in a peeping tom episode 
but mm-hmm. he made he made a William Castle movie on the wrong side of the pond. And I think when he made that movie too, Hammer was just starting and Hammer Films who made all these Technicolor or, or Eastman Color, whatever the color was, mm-hmm. uh, these full color horror movies, uh, kind of remakes of Dracula and Frankenstein. Like they were considered like it's hard people watching those now wouldn't see how scandalous they were, but I, I wonder he hearing about all, all that scandal over peeping Tom, if, if they had, if uh, rank who were this kind of uptight, you know, film company that also didn't like the red shoes, they forewalled the red shoes in broad on Broadway or off Broadway, some American mm-hmm. distributor and it played for two years. So it was the American audience that saved the red shoes. Cause they just thought the red shoes was, was too out there and too disturbing. And they did the same thing with uh, Peeping Tom. And I'm like, God, if they just had sold it to Hammer, Hammer would have would have known what yeah. to do with it. Mm. But yeah, he made a William Castle movie, basically. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's, it, very, it, it's like it, Psycho, it, man. Like, it, like it's it's you could you see the parallel right there. It wasn't received well. It kind of ended his career. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, it did. It did. Wow. And it's an it's an amazing movie in its own right. Um, I mean, it's, he, he, I love, I love every movie I've seen of, of his, um, Black Narcissus. I love that. That, that one's crazy. Um, you, you can't go wrong with, 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 at least I haven't yet with him. I'm excited to dive in. Yeah. He directed uh, thief of Baghdad in 39 for the Corda brothers, which is basically Disney's Aladdin much earlier. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's great warning on that. There is a lot of brown face in it, but it also has Sabu as one of the, as the main support or one of the main characters and, you know, yeah. Indian uh, superstar of the forties or thirties and forties, which is always a weird thing because it's like, you know, yeah, these movies in the past are more racist, but then they had Sabu. And I know if Disney had anything close to Sabu as a star, they would be just so patting themselves furiously on the back over it. And that shit existed in the 30s. And said they had Kurt yeah. Russell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I love The Thief of Baghdad, which is pre-Pressburger, mm. Michael Powell. And I like his yeah. war propaganda movie, uh, 49th Parallel, which was with Pressburger. Yeah. Was, so would they were would they were co-directors. They they um they had a co-writing, producing, directing credit. Michael Powell is really the director, but I think Emmerich Pressburger, who was really writing his ass off on these things, understood mm-hmm. like the whole auteur thing, even like maybe before auteur theory had been really voiced. Oh yeah. That if that he wanted that equal credit because other the right he saw where the writers like oh you know fuck the writer yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, he saw where right. that was going so he wanted uh he he wanted that co-credit gotcha. so they they share credit on those three things it's really fun for me to watch this movie and uh seeing all the really well directed dance scenes because the only other dance movie i have to compare this to is cats <laughs> <laughs> The um, the special effects are so much better in the red shoes than uh, than cats. I have it's, to say it's true. I hope that me and Bob could get drunk at the alley and watch the red shoes at the Grand mm-hmm. Lake someday and not cats ever again. What kind of weed goes with the red shoes? What did you guys smoke or ingest for this? So I smoked out of my bong. I uh, smoked Golden Hour, which is, I believe a maven genetics original um not sure <laughs> not a sponsor <laughs> not sponsored <laughs> at all but i have my little card it comes with so it's a it's an indica leaning hybrid um with effects of a re- relaxation euphoria and stress relief with a grassy earthy and spicy flavor profile i would say that's accurate this movie does not benefit from an indica i think because when right when the uh red shoes the middle part the beautiful middle section was over i was about to fall asleep i was so tired i was very too into couch uh too (laughs) indica too into couch um so i think uh, a lighter uh sativa Mm -hmm. hybrid would go way better 
something something that is just perky fun and that you can really like enjoy the whole thing yeah i agree i i I think that um sativa is something that will help you keep your brain Mm -hmm. uh paced with all of the crazy stuff that keeps flying at you throughout this movie um i think it's important to remain a critical thinker in a way of what is happening to to victoria Mm -hmm. throughout the film and the forces of patriarchy that are basically driving her to make the impossible decision that leads her to jump in front of a train spoiler alert it's very tragic and 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 so so needlessly so you know like uh it's 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 kind of it's kind of heavy so i would probably go with the sativa dominant hybrid something that'll keep your brain working and if you want i always make this recommendation but i would i would consider perhaps on a second viewing to uh turn the sound down and uh put on uh, a different record and just be mesmerized by the visuals of this film i agree with both of you i uh went with a sativa on this called sugar cone it keeps me kept me focused it had my brain being in a creative mode and kept me energized and tingly uh so i recommend sugar cone which was on sale at my local dispensary but yeah a sativa definitely in my bong kept me fuzzy buzzy and also feeling very british which this movie also again (laughs) it's like the last you know that those those malaise shorts are very you're very french these this is very british Mm -hmm. it is not a snoop dog west coast vibe okay it is no british as hell but it's the good type of british so um yeah, everyone see the red shoes and smoke a sativa and you're going to have a good viewing experience. Maybe now, some tea. Yeah. <laughs> this show is like a lot of firsts. It's our, our first uh, guest host, our first uh, woman host, our first host under 30 or 40. <laughs> uh, and it's also our first foreign films and our first silent film. Uh, you know we've been very mm-hmm. american and very sound and is it our first color film with the red shoes i think we've all been in black and white up to now you might be right i mean technically the melier shorts were also technically in color too yeah um at least the versions that we watched and if i if i may you know draw a thread between what we saw which was essentially breathtakingly beautiful european dis- depictions of heinous patriarchy. Yes. That's basically what we watched throughout all these films is the best coat of paint on supreme ugliness. If you're feeling particularly like misandrist, <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I did uh I did take a Huckleberry hybrid gummy for this for red shoes. Mm-hmm. Um and I did it because gummies will take like two hours to take effect on me or can take that long. So mm-hmm. I was trying meticulously, like I'm gonna take, I'm gonna eat this 45 minutes before I start watching the red shoes. And I was trying to time it with the dance when the dance begins. Yes. Wow. And, and it worked pretty well. Now, the first time I ate a Huckleberry Hybrid gummy, I actually tracers. I was like, holy fuck, I'm actually seeing tracers from this. It's whoa. Yeah. It just affected me that way. It didn't for this time, but I was like, okay, I'm stoned. Like when the when she puts on the shoes and they tie themselves up to her, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm a little higher. <laughs> so because yeah, that. the first half you don't really want to be high. You don't want to be high for the beginning because there's a lot to follow. And I was like, like, so mm. I would even suggest not smoking. Like, usually you want to smoke a little bit before you start a movie or as the movie's credits are rolling. This, if you're going to smoke, I would say maybe 45 minutes in, then mm. get good and baked. You could just let yourself, you could just hit play, start packing your bowl. By yeah. the time the red shoes starts, you will be ready. The Red Shoes is available in the TCM hub of HBO Max, Amazon Prime, and the Criterion channel. There are a whole lot of places to see this one, so you have no excuse. You must watch this movie in blaze as you have never blazed before. (laughs) 
Once again, we really want to hear from you. You can email us at oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail.com or follow us on Insta at oldmoviesforyoungstoners. No numbers, just letters, all one word. We are on Twitter at OM4YStoners. That's OM4YStoners on Twitter. Justice for the old hag. Sorry. Justice for the old hag. Don't pay the old hag with a goddamn bag of sand, folks. I don't care how stoned you are. When you Do go not. to services from the old hag, you pay her cash. You lay coin <laughs> upon her palm. Yeah. Bitcoin if she'll accept it. You know, I think or you could pay her with a bag of hash. A bag of, a bag hash. of hash would work. Witches love hash. Which is something they can use. Don't give her a bunch of sand, you asshole. And all you gods supporting that shit. That's why we're in the mess we're in today. Is because these damn male gods (laughs) are supporting these these cryptocurrency entrepreneurs and these private equity douches. You know, using their fucking sick full magic to to fuck everything up. Just pay the hag, folks. Pay them. I. I bet that guy, that the guy in the yellow shirt who conned the old hag, I bet he loves NFTs. Oh, fuck <laughs> that guy. <laughs> so that wraps up our fantastic fourth episode where we discussed a woman brought to the brink of hallucinatory madness in the red shoes. Next time, we followed up with two women brought to the brink of hallucinatory madness with Federico Fellini's Juliet of the Spirits and the Czech New Wave Phantasmagoria of Valerie and her Week of Wonders. That's all right here on Old Movies for Young Stoner. 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 Not the same, different. Tonight.